Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, those of us gathered in the room, those of us gathering online, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. So with you. Thank you. The Lord and loud pops and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we believe that's true, that God really does meet us when we gather together to worship him. Uh, and I'm grateful for that uh, because I need his presence here in my life. Um, I don't know what your week's been like, um, but whether it's been great or terrible, whether you felt like uh, it's overcast, like it is starting to look out there now, uh, if you've had dark clouds, whatever your circumstances, God meets us right here, right where we live. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us right in the midst of our circumstances, right where we live, right here, right now. Uh, the things that are going on in our hearts and minds this very moment, uh, they're no mystery to you, God. You, you see us, you know us, and you love us. You are with us. You are for us. Uh, God, you want good things for us. And uh, God, I pray you'd help us to be open to you, open to all of your grace, uh, open to all of your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your peace, your healing, your strength, your wisdom, all that you want to share with us, God. Uh, because if we are open to you, then that's going to change the way that we face our circumstances. Thank you, God. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength let every breath all that I am never cease to worship you shout to the Lord all the earth let us sing power and majesty praise to the King mountains bow down and the sea at the sound of your name I sing for joy at the work of your hands Forever I love you, forever I stand Nothing compares to the promise I have All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease worship you shout to the Lord all the earth let us sing power and majesty praise to the King mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your For joy at the work of your hands Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand Nothing compares to the promise I have in you Amen. 
Amen. A prodigal return Oh, my hope is in Jesus Thank God my yesterday's gone Oh, my sins are forgiven I've been washed by the blood I'm no stranger to the prison I want shackles and chains I've been freed and forgiven Yes, I have Ain't going back Never be the same That's why I sing that all my hope is in Jesus Thank God my yesterday is gone I've been forever forgiven I've been washed by the blood There's a kind of thing that breaks a man Breaks him down to his knees I've been broken more than a time or two And you pick me up Lord, you set me free Oh, my hope is in Jesus Thank God my yesterday is gone by the blood I've been washed by the blood I've been washed by the blood I'd like to read from 1 Timothy chapter 1 Verses 15 through 17. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt praise the father praise the son praise the spirit three in one god of glory majesty praise forever to the king of kings 
to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. morning that you rose all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born and the spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel shall not fade by his blood and in his name in his freedom i am free for the love of jesus christ who has resurrected me praise the father Praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three and one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Praise the Father, Praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Amen. Amen. From Psalm 47, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with a joyful praise, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises, for God is the King over all the earth. Praise him with a psalm. Pray with me, would you? Father, we do lift up our praises to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this past week, Lord, for if nothing else, for the weather you've given us this last week, that we've been able to enjoy your creation that you've made so beautifully for us. Lord, we thank you that you walked with us through this week. We would not have made it without you. Regardless of what may have happened, good or bad, we wouldn't have made it without you. We thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for each of the trials, the troubles, the tribulations that we might have faced. For Lord, you hit, through them you demonstrate yourself to us. You demonstrate how much you love us. You demonstrate your mercy to us. You demonstrate your power in our lives. And we thank you for them, Lord. And Father, I pray for this service. I pray for each person here that they will hear with, with their, their hearts what it is you have to say this morning through Pastor Rich. I know that, that Pastor has agonized over what to say today, what word of yours to bring to us. And I have no doubt, Lord, that your spirit has been with him as he is bringing your word to us this morning. And so, Father, may we hear it. May we, may we understand it. Maybe for the first time, maybe in a new way. And Lord, I, for all of this, I give you praise. We give you praise, Lord. Honor and blessing and glory. For you alone deserve it. You alone are worthy. 
And we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. I hope everybody got one of these little, little bulletin handout things, let you know what's going on around here these days. Uh, my apologies, those of you watching online can't get one, sorry, but uh, we will have the scriptures on the screen as we walk through things, as well as some announcements, and uh, so that'll, at least it'll get on the screen for you. Um, but if you didn't get one of these and you're in the room, there's some more back on the table right back there if you want to grab one. Um, yeah, one thing, uh, we would just love to connect with you. I love it when you guys share with us how we can pray for you or questions that you have so that we can respond. Uh, so you can do that if you're in the room with the little green cards or you can go online to livinghope.info slash connect and, uh, and send it to us that way. You can always leave a comment, you know, on YouTube or Facebook. I'd hate for that to get missed. So if you want to make sure it gets to me, go to livinghope.info slash connect and, uh, and ask it there, whatever the question might be. And if you want to give online, you can do that too. And... Um, uh, or if you're here in the room, you can drop things in the box. So thank you again to those who give so faithfully. And thanks to those of you who gave uh, to the missions fund these last three weeks so that we could buy all the stuff for these crisis care kits. Um, thank you, Pastor Judy. Thank you, Cheris, for helping put all this together. And uh, so in between the services, uh, after this service ends, uh, you know, give it five minutes for some of the folks who are coming from the, for the next service who want to help. Uh, but then we're just going to line up an assembly line down here, and Pastor Judy will have instructions. These crisis care kits are going to go to people uh, who basically are displaced, uh, might be by a weather event, might be by war. And so as part of our participation in the Church of the Nazarene around the world, this is one way that we can help. We can, uh, we can get these care kits to them so they can help people who um, are right there in their neighborhood. Because we've got churches all over the place uh, with all sorts of different things going on. Um, I forget, which one do I have in there next as far as announcements go? Global 6K, all right, very cool. That's happening May 20th, and uh, you can still register anytime at valpo6k.com. This, uh, this is in our partnership with World Vision, and we've been doing this for years, so I don't feel like I need to say a whole lot about it. If you've been around, you know that your registration will provide clean water for the child that they will put on your race bib. There are a bunch of samples out there of what that looks like, and uh, <clears throat> every year we're excited to see uh, what child it is and what their ages are. Every now and then, we've got twin seven-year-olds, and so every now and then uh, there are kids that are around their age, and we're able to explain to them, yeah, this child, they can't just go turn on water, you know, they can't just go take a, a shower or a bath, they can't just go get water out of the sink, they, if they want water, they have to walk uh, an average distance of 6K, three and three quarter miles, to go and fetch water and bring it back, and it's not clean water, it's dirty water, uh, and then they have to do whatever they can to try to clean it up before they use it to cook and clean and bathe and all the rest, and unfortunately, it often makes them sick, and it exposes them to dangerous circumstances and uh, keeps kids out of school. There's so many reasons why it's a, a, a huge, life-changing thing for us to provide clean water to these kids, to these communities. So if you want to participate, valpo6k.com, you can register right there. And then uh, a couple weeks from now, we're going to do uh, a little uh, introduction to the church. For those of you who are newer and haven't, haven't gone through one of these yet, uh, or maybe you've been around a while, and it's just we haven't offered one when you could go. I know the pandemic kind of put a damper on a lot of these things. Uh, but Living Hope 101 is just a lunch uh, discussion. Um, We've got a little handout and walk kind of through uh, why do we start this church anyway and what does it mean to be part of the church in Nazarene and, and what are we doing and how can you be a part of it. So if you want to join us that day uh, for lunch, uh, I just need to know so that I can have enough handouts and we can order enough pizza or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, so that'll be Sunday the 30th at like starting at 1145, so as soon as that second service ends. And I think that's it as far as announcements go. But, uh, but before we dive into the message, uh, Jason needs to share something with us. Uh, he's got some news about some changes going on in, in his life and uh, with the ministry here. Are you going to stand down here? Up? Doesn't matter to me. You're, okay. All right, here you go. Hey, everybody. Um, so it's weird, right? Because I'm not going to be the youth director here anymore, and I'm really sad about that. Um, the thing is, uh, decided to step away because my daughter's need. She needs some help. Um, she just had a baby, and you know, she recently got sober. Uh, you know, so we really need to be there for her. So on my way here, um, we started thinking. I started to think to myself, like how sad I was going to be to to do this today. And then I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be here until May 31st with the kids. This is my last Sunday for now. But um, maybe, maybe we can work something out, you know? Maybe we can find a way to kind of stick around for a while, you know? Uh, 
maybe we can do a little church service on Wednesday or something like that we kind of talked about. And uh, I have a couple of friends that might be able to lead worship, so it's like, even though I'm not going to be the youth director, I think I might stick around for a while, actually, uh, because I really love this place, and I really love the kids. And I see something really cool happening here. Uh, a couple Sundays ago, I served communion, and at the end of the service, I gave the uh, elements to Jack Hysaw, and I said, well, now you have to serve communion to me. You're the priest now. And the thing is, there's no separation between one Christian to another Christian. You know, we are all priests. And I can feel that happening in this body. Uh, people are wanting to get involved in youth ministry and outreach and things of that nature. And I can see something growing organically. So I don't really want to leave that. So I'm not going to be the youth director, so you can't pay me anymore, but... I might pay you a little money to hang out for a while. <laughs> so, pretty excited about it. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I just want to say how much I love this place and how much it's made a difference in my life. And in this time, the first week I started here, my dad passed away. Then my mom passed away December 13th. All kinds of stuff happened in the middle. But in that time, my son came back to faith. Uh, in that time, I had a chance to share my life with wonderful people, and uh, I don't really—I'm not really ready to leave yet. So, let's just see what happens. You know what I mean? All right. I love you guys. Sorry. <laughs> what was the sorry for at the end? <laughs> oh man! So that was part of that was news to me too. That was just a driving here. You made that decision, huh? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. See, here, I thought that was just going to be all sad news, but now you, like, you changed it for us a little bit. So, all right. Thank you. Oh, man. Oh, boy. All right. So, yeah, so some changes, uh, but please do be praying. Pray for, uh, for Jason and Jessica, for their family. Um, Pray for uh, the youth ministry and outreach that ha happens here at Living Hope. Um, it'll be interesting to see what direction that goes as we go forward. Um, so the church board has known about this, you know, for a couple weeks. And uh, the, I think you just talked to the students about it this last, last, last Wednesday. Um, so now we wanted to make sure that all of you were aware of what was going on. And, uh, yeah, as things change, we'll just keep you in the loop. So, yeah. That's, flexibility is important to us here at Living Hope. That's one of the one of our values. So, all right. Um, so message wise this morning, uh, we are in the book of numbers and I don't have an excuse today to like not go there. The last two weeks, you know, we've been doing a book of the Bible each month and, uh, and we're getting to numbers this month, but the first week of this month was Palm Sunday. So we're like, oh, well, you know, we'll talk about numbers a little bit, but you know, then we'll go to Palm Sunday. And last week was Easter. And so there was this weird connection with, uh, this little story in the book of numbers where they, uh, the people rebel, and God sends snakes that bite them and are killing them until uh, God tells Moses to lift up that bronze snake to make a snake and put it on a pole. And if people look at the snake, then they'll live. They won't die from their snake bite. And Jesus points to this weird little episode in Numbers to say, just like Moses lifted up that snake in the wilderness, so too when I will be lifted up. And I'll draw people to myself, and, and uh, people will believe and have life. And uh, <clears throat> so it was Easter. You know, we celebrated Easter and Christ's victory over sin and death and the grave by his own death and resurrection. I don't have an excuse this week to not talk about numbers the whole time. So, uh, but the good news is numbers, uh, as, as the Bible Project folks said in the video the first week, numbers sounds like a very boring book. Um, unless you're like an accountant and you love numbers. Uh, some of you I know are wired that way. You're like, numbers? Ooh, yes, give me numbers. Uh, most of us, when we're reading the Bible and we come across like a big list of numbers, uh, which is what happens in the first couple chapters of the book, you know, they're doing a census and they're saying, this many people were in this tribe, and this many people were in this tribe. And most of us, that's like to help us fall asleep at night reading, right? Uh, or it's the part that you just kind of skim through and you, you hope God forgives you as you're trying to read through the Bible. You know, it's like, oh, please forgive me, God. I, I'm just kind of skimming over this part. Um, I'm not reading every word. But in, in Hebrew, the book is called In the Wilderness, which that sounds a lot more interesting to me. Um, 
There's a, the Hebrew word bamidbar, it just means in the wilderness, and it's in the first sentence of the first verse where the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness, it says. And, uh, and the whole book is set in the wilderness. It's, it's where the people of Israel are moving from Mount Sinai, where they've met with God and entered into this covenant relationship with them and, and got the commands from God about how they're supposed to live. And now they're making their way over the course of the book from that mountain to the promised land. The land that, the whole reason they left slavery in Egypt in the first place wasn't just to go to the mountain and hang out with God there. It was so that God could provide for them a new home, this promised land, the land that, that ages ago to their ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God had promised, your descendants, I'm going to give this land to them. And so it's this wilderness journey is uh, just like any of you who've made any kind of a journey, any kind of a trip. Uh, some of you traveled a little bit for spring break. Uh, these days, flying is kind of hit or miss as far as delays or cancellations and those kinds of things. But if you've been on like a road trip, maybe it's a little bit more like what they went through, right? Where you're driving and you don't know if you're going to get a flat. You don't know if there's going to be traffic that slows you down. You don't know if you're going to hit another gas station before you run out of gas sometimes, depending on where you're going. There are some wildernessy areas in our country and places you can, you can drive to from here. Um, <clears throat> they, they face their share of headaches, pitfalls, there's good moments, there's terrible moments in this wilderness journey that they make. As we um, mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, as they start out, they're, they're doing great. They're all doing just exactly what God tells them to do. But at some point, that turns. <laughs> at some point, people start to get tired of eating the same stuff every day. They, they get frustrated by uh, the short shortages in water. They get, um, they get tired of just living out in the wilderness, living in tents. Like, you promised us when we left Egypt, we are heading to a land that was flowing with milk and honey, you know, a productive land, a land where we could plant crops and grow them, not having to live in tents where we're just going to be moving on after a little while. Sometimes, uh, and so they, they started to grumble. They started to test God, test Moses. It was a testy kind of a time for everybody. Um, and it had me thinking about our own lives and the ways that sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness. You know, we're, we're not where we want to be in life, right? Maybe we've had some good times in the past, but we're, we've made some changes. We're, we're moving towards some better times in the future, and we, we know where we want to go, but we're not there yet, right? You, you know where you're headed, but right now you're still on the journey, and it's starting to feel a little wilderness-like, right? You're like you're seeing the, your, your emotional gas tank or your financial gas tank or your whatever. You're, you're seeing your reserves kind of go down, 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 down. You're like, okay, I, I sure hope I can, I, I don't run out. I, I sure hope I've got what it takes to make it all the way to the end of this journey, to, to see my child through the circumstance that they're facing, to, to make it in this new job that I've, I've made, taken this risk to try to, to, to jump into, um, to make it through this season of life where I just feel like I, I don't have a whole lot in me. It's not, you know, what do we call it, a bed of roses, I guess? I'm not sure, that, that sounds pretty terrible to me, but you know, we're not in that land flowing with milk and honey. We're not in that abundant land. We're not experiencing all the joys of life. We're, we're kind of in the in-between the in zone, in the struggle place. So when we find ourselves in the wilderness, what do we do? Now, I was thinking about this, um, there's a passage in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter three, where they're actually quoting one of the Psalms, um, where they say, today, if you hear his voice, talking about God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me though for 40 years they saw what I did. It's God speaking through the Psalms and now being quoted in the New Testament. And, and I wanted to, to grab a hold of this because of that phrase in the middle, the time of testing in the wilderness. Um, because that's what these wilderness times are for us. When we, when we go through the difficulties, we, we have opportunities uh, but we also have struggles. Those opportunities can go one way or another, right? We have choices to make, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. God is still speaking. You know, there are moments God is still present in that wilderness time, but it can sometimes be difficult to hear him, to find him, to be aware of his presence. And when we do hear his voice, sometimes we do like Israel did in the book of Numbers. We harden our hearts, which is a terrible phrase to hear used there because when I hear that phrase, I think of Exodus. I think of what, uh, what Pharaoh, king of Egypt, did. When Moses, God sends Moses to say, let my people go, and it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And, and through all ten disastrous plagues, 
he kept his heart hard until finally after the 10th, after he lost his, his son, finally he says, fine, get out of here. They're, they're warning us, don't harden your hearts like you did back then. You know, they're seeing continuity between us and the people living back then in, in the story that we read in Numbers. It was a time of testing, and the people of Israel repeatedly failed that test. In fact, they tested God. <laughs> it says, well, your ancestors tested and tried me. You know, for 40 years, I provided for them, but still, they, they tested me, they tried me. It was a time of testing, and our, our trials can be tests. Our, our wilderness times and it can be tests, and I want to pass the test, you know, I don't know. I, I want to I qualify for the next round, you know, of competition. I, I want to I I make it. I don't want to fail the test. I want to heed the warning given to us in Scripture. And so two things, two questions have been floating around in my mind as I think about these times of wilderness that we find ourselves in. I'm thinking about the book of Numbers and reading through that. And, and uh, the first question is just what, what do you center your life around? What do you center your life around? Um, they, right in the beginning chapters of Numbers, well, chapter 1 is just counting everybody, and then chapter 2 is like, okay, let's get organized. We're going to make a, a trek through the wilderness. How are we going to organize ourselves? And, and they tell them to organize themselves by, by tribes and everything, and, and these uh, three tribes on the north, these three tribes on the west, these three tribes on the east, these three tribes on the south. And in the middle of the camp, it tells them, well, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banners of their family. And then it goes on to list where they all are. So it's, it's almost like a giant cross or plus sign or something out there. And at the middle of it, at the middle of their camp is this tent of meeting, this tabernacle, this place where God's presence is known in their midst. They're centering, just like geographically centering, like literally centering their life, their, their together community life around the presence of God in their midst. And you might remember, if you've been trying to read through this with us so far this year, you know, a good chunk of Exodus was about how to build this tent, how to build this tabernacle so that it can reflect God's glory, so that it can be a place where when, when people come to it, they're reminded of God's blessings in Eden and God's presence with them and the life that God gives and the beauty of that. And, uh, and here's where you offer these sacrifices and here's how you do it. You get into Leviticus where we spent a whole month uh, last month and there's all this teaching about different kinds of offerings and there's different feasts that you celebrate and there's rituals that you go through with the priests and all of this centered around this place, this tent, this tabernacle, this place where you meet with God, that now in the book of Numbers we hear this is going to be at the center of their camp as they make their way through the wilderness. Um, I don't know if you ever had to give somebody directions to your house, maybe, right? But we all have these landmarks that we use, right? Uh, for me, I live downtown here, just, and so I tell people, oh, yeah, we're just like three blocks north of Lincoln Way. Do you know where Papa John's is? Yeah, just three blocks north of that. Or if you know where the library is, I can get you to our house from there. Or if you know where, you know, and, and so you, you kind of orient yourself by landmarks, right? And you can tell somebody how to get to someplace. Uh, Stacy loves to tell the story of the first time that we were driving ourselves out to the farm out in southwest Kansas, where my dad grew up and where, he, uh, where our family would go every Christmas to gather together and to celebrate Christmas and, and all of that. And the first time we were driving out there, we had these handwritten directions. This is before you could just pull out your phone and, you know, uh, hit the spot and let it tell you how to get there every step of the way. And some of those directions were like, you know, when you uh, turn right on the oil road. And we're like, what's an oil road? We have no idea what that means. Uh, and when you see the, you know, when you see the house with the light in the backyard, turn left. You know, and we're like, what? You know, but this is middle of nowhere, Kansas. And so as we're driving, we realize, like, Oh, okay, yeah, oh, that's an oil road, and we see it's, it's black, they've, you know, that's how they paved it, you know, was with the, the gravel, and gets compressed, and get the oil on top, and like, oh, that's the oil road, and as we're driving down this oil road, and you're looking around, and there's nothing but farm fields, and, and everything, and you see, like, oh, there's a house, oh, there's a big light on a big pole in the back of it, that's the, that's the house with the, with the light in the backyard, okay, uh, the people of Israel would be able to orient themselves, and to give those directions by where they were in relation to God's presence in their midst. They had centered their life. They'd organized themselves around this tent of meeting. When we are in our wilderness stages of life, it's really important for us to think about, okay, what am, what's really important to me? What is, what's at the center of my life, of who I am? 
Because maybe you're going through a transition when it comes to job or employment. I was just talking with a guy last night who's just found out he's one of the guys that had stayed with us during the warming center that we had here and uh, dealing with uh, health issues. And he just found out from his doctor that, yeah, it looks like he's not going to be able to return to work, that his short-term disability is going to have to convert into like a long-term thing uh, because of his circumstances. And just like trying to figure that out and having to, it's like a, it's a big step. He's 48. He's my age. And he's having to realize like, okay, I guess I'm not, going to work anymore. He had found a job that he loved, and now he can't do it anymore. You know, when we go through these transitions in life, and we're like, oh, okay, who am I if I'm not that? You know, because I've defined myself by my work, or I've defined myself by my relation to, to this family member, or to this circumstance, or whatever it might be, and, and when that shifts, okay, who are we? What's at the center of our identity, of our life's purpose? And I'm hoping... <laughs> You know, that for all of us here in this room, that our lives are centered around Christ, around God's love revealed in Jesus Christ that we've just been celebrating, you know, this past Sunday, Easter Sunday. That we can say, yes, before anything else, I'm a child of God. Before anyone else, for anything else, who I am is someone loved by God. He, he loved me so much, he sent his son for me. He took my sin. I'm, I'm someone who's been forgiven of the sins that I've committed. I, I'm no longer defined by my past failures. I got a new identity. I've got a new life. I've got a new purpose now to, to take the grace that God's given to me and to share it with others, to be his ambassador, to, to, to help others to have hope, to have life. What do you center your life around? Maybe there are rituals that you have in place in your, throughout your day that help you to, to kind of recenter yourself, to remember who you are. Maybe you have your Bible app that dings you in the morning to remind you what the verse of the day is or to remind you to read that next chapter. Or, or maybe you've got some other kind of a routine that just, you know, something that helps you to know, okay, this is who I am, something that brings you back. We've, we've talked about that, I think, in the book of Exodus, talking about Sabbath and the importance of that, having some kind of a weekly rhythm. You're all here Sunday morning, so there's at least one little routine built into your life, right? That at least once a week you can say, okay, God, I've had a lot of other stuff going on, but now I need to be reminded in, in song, in scripture, in, in prayer, in communion. I need to be reminded of your love for me, that this is who I am. What do you center your life around? What, what gets your primary allegiance? What, what pulls on your affections the hardest? You know, and there are lots of different things in life. There's nothing wrong with loving your job, loving your family, loving fun stuff, you know, loving a sports team and all those kinds of things. But you know, how do you make sure that those things aren't dragging you away from your center, dragging you away? You've got to make sure that all those things are, are kind of oriented around the, the love of God, his love for you, that who you are is defined first and foremost by that. So you, you might need to have some rituals. You might need to start some traditions. You might need to, or maybe just join some traditions that, that others already have. What do you center your life around? Because that's what can help carry you through that wilderness. That's what can help you to know who you are and to, to continue to trust in God. Because when things get hard, it's real easy to wonder, God, are you still there? Are you still listening? I've got this routine of praying to you, but sometimes it feels like I'm just talking to the air. And, and that's when, if you've got like a routine of maybe reading the Psalms or praying through those, you realize, oh, I'm not the first person to feel this way. Oh, I'm not the first person to feel like, you know, God, you've abandoned me and, and I'm not being heard. But you pray through that Psalm and you realize partway through, but oh, you're reminded, God, you've been faithful and I know I can trust you today and, and it carries you through. So that question, what do you center your life around? Uh, in part because Numbers just starts out with like this obvious, they're centering their life around the tent of meeting. Like, yeah, that seems like a pretty obvious parallel, something that we should do when we're in the wilderness. But the other question then uh, <clears throat> is, who are you listening to? Well, you know, what, are the, what are the voices that, that speak into your life? Or a related question might be, like, who are you following? Who are you allowing to, to lead you, to influence you? You know, that's um, this, um, how they oriented themselves, you know, with the, the tabernacle there at the middle where Moses and Aaron would meet with God. And then around that was the, the Levites. That actually comes up later in the next chapter. The, the Levites didn't get, uh, they're kind of pulled out from the other tribes to especially serve at that tent of meeting and take care of it. And as they move it around, they're the ones that have to like schlep all the stuff, right? <laughs> they're the ones that have to like disassemble the altar and carry all those things and, and you know, hoist up the uh, Ark of the Covenant carefully with those poles <laughs> uh, and move it on to the next place. And they're, they're the ones that uh, and it takes some time to spell all that out. And then all the other tribes are outside of there. And there are, repeatedly, through the book of Numbers, there are rebellions that take place, just like that 
quote from Hebrews said, you know, during the rebellion, the time of testing in the wilderness. And there's a rebellion of all the people, uh, multiple ones, actually. And then there's rebellions of the Levites, where there's a bunch of them, that like 250 of them. They're like, what makes you so special, Moses? Why do you, you know, think you're our boss? We're all holy, too. And then there are failures, even rebellions of Moses and Aaron. There's this moment where Moses doesn't trust God and do what God says, and bringing water from the rock, and instead of speaking to the rock, he hits the rock, and God still provides the water, but then God tells Moses, like, sorry, you know, there's consequences for this. I mean, every section of their community at some point doesn't trust God, rebels against God. And in those stories, we hear that they aren't necessarily listening to the right people. Um, the one big one is when they have the spies that go into the land. I didn't, I didn't put this one in there because there's another story I'm going to mention in just a minute. The spies go into the land to check it out. They finally get there, and uh, it doesn't take 40 years to get there. Uh, they get there after, like, they, they spend a year at Mount Sinai, and they get there not too, much, not too long after that, and they spy out the land, one from each of the 12 tribes. They come back, and two of the spies say, like, yep. They all say, it looks great. Can't wait. This is, this is wonderful land. But you know, the people that live there, they got fortified cities, and some of them are like descendants of giants. We, they look, we look like grasshoppers next to them. It's only two of the 12 spies that say, well, yeah, but we can take them. If God says he's going to drive them out ahead of us, let's go. Let's, let's trust God that he's going to give us this land. And the other 10 say, no way, and the whole community listens to those 10. And that's why the whole community, God says, fine, you won't, you won't get to go in. I'll let you do laps in the wilderness for 40 years until you all die off and your kids will get to go in. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But one of the stories in Numbers chapter 11, uh, this is the first moment in the book of Numbers where we start to see that the people are complaining about their hardships. That's in verse 1. Now, it just says, now the people complain about their hardships. And, um, and then verse 4 says, the rabble with them. And I don't know who the rabble were. One translation I read said riffraff. I like that, I like that word a lot. The riffraff uh, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. And said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Just like, what? <laughs> you remember eating fish in Egypt at no cost? You were slaves. Okay, they gave you the food for free because you had worked all day and didn't get paid. What are you talking about at no cost? Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Like, so there are, there are some the rabble, the riffraff, who are complaining. And the other people then listen to the Israelites too. It says, start to wail. And they've got this selective memory thing, you know, about like, yeah, I remember back in Egypt, we used to eat good food. Yeah, it was terrible. We, we had to work all day for it, and a bunch of us died. But you know what? But the food was great, you know. Um, and it was free. Well, as this wailing goes on, it says in verse 10, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. I know last week when we were talking about that little rebellion that led to the, the snakes, um, I remember saying, like, it probably wasn't everybody that was complaining. You know, it was probably, you know, just some vocal few. Well, here's a story where it says, yeah, pretty much everybody, every family was out in front of their tents wailing about it. And I was reading one of those uh, uh, commentaries, you know, by the people that know the original languages and know the Hebrew words and all that. And they said that he had translated it weeping. And he said, there's other words they could have used here, but they think they were trying to get at, like, the whining nature of it. <laughs> so the people, were, which I can definitely connect with, our boys are we're hoping, really hoping they outgrow the whining thing. They're seven. We keep telling them, like, you're not behaving like a seven-year-old. You know, stop the whining. All right. The people are whining. They are wailing. They're weeping. Every family at the entrance of their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. And uh, I had to skip some, but I wish I could have included some of those because Moses says to God, like, did I give birth to these people? Why do I have to carry them around like infants? He's like, like they're like crying babies. You know, why do I have to carry them? And the Lord says to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. You know, people listen to them. Right? Bring, bring them to me. Get 70 of them. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I'll take some of the power of the Spirit that's on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. And that's what happens. Moses 
gathers them. Well, it says, Moses went out, told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders, had them stand around the tent. And sure enough, that's what happens. God comes down, meets with Moses like he often does. And this time, I don't know how this works exactly. It kind of, it's almost like it's quantifying. Like, here, Moses, you get this much of the Spirit's power, but, but this time I'll hold some of it back and, uh, and I'll give it to them. And so somehow the Spirit is being shared with these other leaders. And they, it says they begin to prophesy. And we don't know what that means exactly. They're, they're doing something that is like obvious, like, whoa, the Spirit of the Lord's on them. They're, they're shouting out God's praises. Uh, we don't know what that looks like exactly. Um, but they're prophesying. They're at the center of the camp. But then it says, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So, like, even though they didn't show up for the party, God's like, oh, wait, but you were on the list. Here, yeah, your Spirit's going to get to you, too. Um, a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who'd been Moses' aide since youth, and one of the two spies who said, we can do this. He spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit on them. I wanted to mention this, this little bit of that story. Uh, because sometimes, I don't know, a pastor could stand up front and who are you listening to? And could say, you need to listen to me. I'm the pastor. I'm like Moses. God's given me direction for this community. And, and uh, I, I, I don't like being that guy. So I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> All right. Moses says, man, I wish God would give his spirit to everybody. And guess what? We see happen in the New Testament. God gives the Spirit to everybody. What Moses wishes would happen does happen. And, uh, and God's Holy Spirit is given to you just like it's given to me. And we together become this community where we can hear God's Spirit speaking through each other. I hope that you hear God's Spirit speaking as I stand up here and preach every Sunday, or whoever stands up here and, and preaches every Sunday, whether it's me or Pastor Judy or Jason or a guest, somebody that comes in, my dad uh, a few weeks ago. I hope that you hear sometime during this part of the service, yeah, God is present, God is speaking, God's saying something to me. But you know what? We see that happen in other settings too. Like Wednesday nights when I gather together and we have a little kind of open discussion Bible study group, uh, oftentimes somebody will bring a question or a situation they're going through in life, and it won't be anything I say. It'll be something somebody else says where they mention some way God's helped them through a similar circumstance or God brings some particular Bible passage to their mind or something that they've found helpful. And and we hear God speak through each other. So who are you listening to? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you allowing to lead you? Um, I hope that you'll surround yourself by some spirit-filled Christians that you can hear the Holy Spirit speaking through. People who can encourage you and, and, and help you to, to stay focused, help you to, to trust God. That you won't just listen to the voices of the, the riffraff, the, the rabble, the, the complainers that you won't allow them to drag you down a negative road, especially when you're in the wilderness time, especially when you're kind of in that in-between time. You need people who will encourage you, who will help you to keep going. You don't need to listen to the complainers who say, let's go back to Egypt. It was so great back there. Their memory is selective. <laughs> you know, they're not leading you down a good path. Instead, I just grabbed one of several verses in the New Testament that talk about this. This is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, where he says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household. I, just, I love some of the imagery that's being used, you know. That each, each and every one of us, you included, as you trust in Christ, as he gives you his Holy Spirit, you, you're not some stranger, you're a member of the family. You're a fellow citizen with God's people, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God is alive in the community of faith, in his church, in his church that gathers, whether you're gathering on a Sunday or gathering in a small group or gathering in a coffee shop, just three of you talking about, you know, what's going on in life and praying for God's guidance. Who are you listening to? Who are you allowing to influence you? What voices are you letting shape your attitude and your approach to life? Please surround yourself with people, especially if you're in one of those wilderness areas. Reach out to somebody who loves God, somebody that you know is trustworthy, you know, like those elders, people known to be leaders, you know, somebody that you see, ah, oh, you've, you've been trusting God, you know, maybe, a little, maybe they're a little older than you. Maybe there's somebody like, you've been trusting God longer than I have. How do I get through this? 
reach out to someone. Get some help. Surround yourself with people who will encourage and help you. And if you need help doing that, if you're like, okay, but I don't know anybody here and I don't really have a lot of Christian friends I can reach out to, reach out to me and I'll connect you with some people, okay? Um, would love to do that. This is, these are just two of the many questions that come up uh, when we're in the wilderness. Um, by the end of the book of Numbers, uh, they are in a better place. You know, the, the kids now have grown. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. You get to the end, and they're, they're just about to enter the promised land. And, and they, in fact, even though there have been consequences for their failures, God continues to be with them, just like God continues to be with us in our wilderness times. Even if we fail, God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't fail us. God is with them, and, and they begin to see some victories, and they're right on the verge of, of moving in, but that, that all comes later. I, I just wanted to remind you, God is with you in the wilderness, okay? Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we are reminded of that in a, uh, in a physical, touchable way in the sacrament of communion. God, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the ways that uh, we see you at work in our lives, including in those wilderness times. Uh, including in those times of transition. <laughs> maybe as we're driving to church, God, you, you help us to think of something a little different than, than we planned. Uh, maybe, um, maybe there's a song that comes across the radio or that we sing together at church. Maybe it's in that moment of celebrating communion. God, at some, or, or as we assemble crisis care kits, I don't know what you use, God, but would you remind us of your presence with us? Would you continue to speak to us? And when we hear your voice, would you help us not to push it away, not to harden our hearts. Help us to listen to you, especially as you speak to us through the people you surround us with. Thank you, God, for loving us, for drawing us to yourself in Jesus Christ. Even messed up people like us who can who maybe we've spent a long time in the wilderness and we can point to failure after failure and consequence after consequence. God, thank you that you do not give up on us. You continue to lead us. You continue to come to us. Continue to draw us to yourself. God, I believe you're doing that for us today. And I pray you would draw us to yourself as we approach the table of our Lord Jesus, as we offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body, in his blood. Boy, what better sign is there of your presence with us in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty? Jesus, you came to us in the darkness, in the brokenness of our sin, in the mess of, that we had made of, of humanity. You shined your light into our darkness. You spoke words of love and forgiveness in response to our cruelty. You have been so gracious and so kind. Thank you, God, that out of love for us, you gave yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ. You held nothing back, Lord Jesus, but you gave your life for us so that by your death and resurrection, you could defeat the powers of sin and death and the devil and set us free. And now, by your Holy Spirit, you lead us through this life. You're taking us to that beautiful future that you have for us, the beautiful life that you created us for. Help us to trust you. Help us to listen to you. Help us to follow you every step of the way. Today, God, in response to your overwhelming love that you've shown us, we, we offer you ourselves. We admit that we need your mercy and grace the, the us that we offer you is, an, is, a, is a me that is tainted by sin. Or I'm aware, God, I, I confess, I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. God, thank you that you do not push us away, but you, you cleanse us. You forgive us. You embrace us as your own. You welcome us into your family. You lead us through this life. Thank you, God. Help us today to experience your grace, your compassion, your kindness, your forgiveness. And help us to be filled with the Spirit of Christ so that we can walk confidently through the week ahead, whatever wilderness we might find ourselves in. Thank you, God.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with the basket of bread and a cup of juice. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask you to do this. Would you like to serve communion, Jason? You're going to say no now that I put you on the spot? Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Jason will be up here with a a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And uh, as we sing, uh, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, who are hungry for his grace and grateful for his love. Uh, So let's celebrate. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, sinner condemned unclean. My sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. And the burden of Calvary, suffered and died alone. Singing how. in glory his face I at last shall see swim be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me singing love for us, God. We cannot wrap our heads around the love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, that you would see us in the mess that we have made and love us like that. 
Evidently, God, you, you still have hope for us. You still see the people that we can be as your spirit changes us from the inside out, as you help us to become a people of love, joy, peace, patience, all those fruits that your spirit grows in us. Thank you, God, for your transforming work. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your love that shapes us, changes us. You are better to us than we deserve, and we are so incredibly grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Uh, in like three minutes, we'll be uh, getting some instructions. <laughs> in like three minutes, we'll be getting some instructions from Pastor Judy about what to do uh, with the crisis care kit.